Are you there? I am. You're still Robo Gray. Still robotic. God damn it. (laughs) Uh... How is Audrey doing? Well, I am assuming you are asking about her imminent surgery. I thought she was go- she was uh, scheduled to have her lady surgery, as you described it. I've been I've been concerned. She she was scheduled. She went and had her check. Everything was in order, but uh, because of various uh, factors to do with our preferred vet and holidays and things, it has been put off until mid June. So all is calm. Well, <laughs> all as calm as can be in the world of Audrey. It has been a big week for Audrey News, though. Mm-hmm. Her favorite toy, which you may remember, Little Bear. I remember Little Bear. I remember Little Bear. She quite liked Little Bear. Little Bear is definitely in top of her sort of top of the rotation. <laughs> uh, li- after much, much playing and much chewing and much aggression from Audrey's little teeth, Little Bear has finally lost its arm. Oh no! Yeah, it was a it was a sad moment. So I captured the moment with the camera for posterity and I don't know what we're going to do yet. I had to fish the arm out of the bin. My wife was very much of a mind just to get rid of it straight away. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm kind of a bit more sentimental, as you know, and more of a hoarder, as you know. You have to try to save Little Bear if it's Audrey's favourite. It's a great photo, though. You'll have to link everyone to the photo of Little Bear Sans arm. And I actually did have some high-speed slow-motion footage of Audrey playing with Little Bear that I just hadn't got around to editing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I've put that on the internet as well. So I had it was sort of the Audrey Little Bear week here in our house. Was this all on the, uh, like, doesn't Audrey have a Facebook page or something? Don't you maintain a Facebook yeah, it's page on, for her? Yeah, I put it on her Facebook page. It's all happening. Oh, the Audrey fans know all about it. I've also sneaked her into a couple of videos this week. Two, actually, she appears in two of my videos this week. So, oh. so there's there's a bit of an Easter egg. One of them's pretty obvious. One mm. of them is a total hidden Easter egg. So mm. only the true fans are going to see that. Mm. Well, that, yeah, that'll be a fun Where's Waldo hunt. Yeah. Well, you won't see it because that would involve watching one of my videos. But <laughs> I watch your videos. I watch your videos. <laughs> All right. Cool. Anyway, so I'll I'll keep you up to date with Audrey, but for now she is she doesn't know what's coming. She is just fine. She's probably mostly broken up about Little Bear, but she doesn't know about the impending surgery. Yeah. In which her doctor might be listening to audiobooks while it's occurring. The thing is she loves going actually I should ask the vet that. She loves going to the vet. Mm-hmm. Like she really enjoys it and everyone at the vet loves her and she's a real celebrity. And I'm worried that this experience is gonna change the way she looks at the vet. Because at the moment I think it's just a place she thinks we take her to go and have fun. And next time she goes, it's gonna be, Whoa, hang on. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> Wait, what what do you normally do at the vet that she thinks it's fun? No no dog you don't taking a dog to the vet is not there's not happy fun times at the vet when you're bringing a dog. Everything's fun for Audrey. Everyone dotes on her and she gets to sniff lots of people and lick them and play and everyone's talking in a high-pitched voice to her and and she's never had anything, you know, badly wrong. Hmm. She's had a few injections, but she's fine with them. So she's all good. She loves it. She loves everything. She is a singularity of pure joy. She is. She definitely is. Mm. All right, well, keep me posted on the Audrey news. You know, do you think you could stop me? (laughs) (laughs) no no i couldn't so uh in the last podcast you mentioned urine being sterile and i'll tell you what didn't you get put back in your box (laughs) oh man yeah i think someone was wrong on the internet (laughs) yeah and boy yeah (laughs) wrong on the internet you are going to hear about it 
I think it was just it was a perfect storm of having seconds earlier been discussing urban legends and these false notions that spread and then then moving right into the oh urine is sterile thing it turns out i have been informed many many times this is not true <laughs> i i do have i do have a tiny a tiny point i want to make in my defense though okay i got into an argument with someone about this years ago because i was on the opposite side of this i thought this this notion that urine is sterile like oh come on that can't possibly be true urine is disgusting it has to not be sterile I remember looking it up and coming across this little piece of information that basically where this notion comes from that urine is sterile is that when you try to culture it in those in those little petri dishes hmm. you don't get the like the kind of bacteria that live in your urine don't grow very well in those petri dishes. Right. Uh, Hank Green of SciShow did a little video talking about that. And and that piece of information is something I must have come across years ago when I was originally looking this up. And I remember changing my opinion like, huh, wow, contrary to my belief, urine is sterile. But it seems that recent research papers have been able to culture bacteria that are not the not the normal um, culture-loving ones that we have in other things. So mm. I'm not saying, like, I was wrong. There's, there's, no, there's no two ways about it. I was wrong. And I certainly have, I have definitely heard about it. I mean, maybe your urine is sterile. I would hope so. I would hope that my mm. urine is sterile. I mean, I can see why you'd think that too, because it's sort of, I don't know if it is, but it seems like something that would be kind of acidic and not very conducive to life. And yeah, yeah it, anyway. it's, it, it fits in the realm of possibility, but it is not true. And yes, I, I, I received a, a torrent of corrections from people gleeful to inform me <laughs> this was not the case. Yeah, it's uh, not the sort of thing people just let pass, is it? No, it is not. And I, I have now had to set up a filter with the word urine on my Twitter because it was getting it was getting a bit out of hand. I was like, yeah, I know people. I don't need to receive 300 more of these. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. H.I. flags. Uh, you brought it up last time, I think, the idea of what would a Hello Internet flag look like. Indeed, yes. And uh, I think you've put in the show notes here a, a link to a couple of designs that people have come up with for Hello Internet oh, flags. I don't, want, I don't want to have our usual debate over who put what in the show notes, but I thought you put that one in. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was the show notes fairy who put it in. Oh, I haven't seen some of these yet. I mean, various people, various people have submitted designs of varying levels of excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you to everyone who did. I, I have the ones I have seen. I found interesting, and I'm I'm humbled that our viewers would do it. Sorry, I always I always call viewers they're listeners. It's it's okay, Brady. It's okay, it Brady. Bo- it bothers me when I do that, and I do it all the time. Sorry, no one would. I, I didn't even notice. No one would notice unless you brought brought attention to it. No, okay, go on then. The, we have had so many interesting designs, but they've come to at least me from a variety of, of sources. So I've seen some stuff on Reddit. I've seen some people tweet flag designs at me for Hello Internet. I've received some emails with flag designs in them. It's just kind of this random assortment of things. So what, what I would actually like to do is when this show goes live, I want to put a thread uh, on the Reddit where people can submit the flags that they've made because I would like to see them all in a in a single yeah. collection somewhere. Yeah, so people who've already submitted one, if they could resubmit to that thread, that'd be really handy. Yes, yeah, so that's that's what I'm requesting. I'm going to make a thread. 
if you have a flag submitted as a top level comment, like let's not have a whole bunch of replies nested below each other, I would just, I would really love to see them kind of all on, on one level. And this way people can vote them up and vote them down. And really all the flags are welcome because I think so much were intentionally kind of terrible to be funny. And I've seen some genuinely really well-designed ones. Yeah, they've just been very good. So I think it would be great if we could try to collect them all together in one spot. So when this show goes live, I will, if I remember, try to put a discussion thread on the Reddit so people can just put them all in one place and then maybe we can talk about them next time. Yeah, I've really enjoyed them and that's a really good idea of yours. So, uh, because I would like to sort of see them in one place too, because I'm far too disorganized to hunt around for them but it's it's really cool that people are doing it i'm I'm sorry can you hear that on your end there there is an owl outside of my window right now oh no i I don't know but that's awesome (laughs) i just i don't know if you could hear it hooting away but i think I, i think i may have now that you mention it but i think that's totally cool long may it hoot i would really rather not have it hoot because it is now officially summer here And my office is already incredibly hot. And when I start recording podcasts, it gets way too warm. And I'm trying to keep the window cracked open a little bit so I don't asphyxiate to death. But that owl might make me have to close the window. Oh, I think it'd be really funny if there's just an owl in the background. It doesn't have to be all silent and perfect. I think people would like that there's an owl there. Especially because we've got a history with owls as well, haven't we, on the the podcast? Yeah, I mean, I, I I have this big open window to the outside and I'm just kind of... I'm really hoping that the owl doesn't come in during the podcast as well. It's like, how close is he? I can't see where he is, but it sounds like he's close. That would be the most awesome moment in the history of podcasts if you got attacked by an owl while we were recording. I think that would be awesome, but for not reasons that I would appreciate or enjoy. (laughs) So I'm going to hope that it's not there. I don't know, man. It'd be great for Dovsky. Yes, it might be great for Dovsky, it might be great for our listenership numbers, but it wouldn't be great for me personally. Come on, Gray. Take one for the team, Gray. Take one for the team. Take that owl attack. No, I think I will pass. All right. Uh, Now, I received an email this week, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. I'm so excited by it, so I'm going to call it up here. Mm -hmm. This comes from a woman named... Anne or Anne Lisa, she's she's from some European country, so her name is quite exotic, and I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that. So anyway, this comes hot on the heels of us having talked about people who listen to the podcast while performing surgery. Oh no, which, not more of this. Well, th- I thought that was pretty awesome that there were people who were actually doing surgery while listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. but Anne Lisa. I apologise, Anne, if that's incorrect, has um, has topped it all. I'm going to read you her email and then I'm going to send you the photo that was attached. Okay. Dear Brady, dear CGP Grey, you were wondering in your last episode, who has the time to listen to podcasts? Here is a possible answer. Scientists on maternity leave. In the last weeks of my pregnancy, I finally had the time to listen to all your episodes. Your conversations replace very well the stimulating exchanges I would normally have at work during the coffee break. Your last episode was also a great help in the delivery room. See picture, which I will now send. No. So here she is on the sort of delivery bed. Like, it's okay, it's not like too graphic. On the delivery bed, listening to our (laughs) podcast. And I'll, I'll... I will read on. You managed to make me laugh at a time when my husband was too stressed and tired to provide distraction. (laughs) I recommend your podcast and videos to all my friends, especially young parents at home who crave so much intelligent entertainment. 
Thank you for your great work on YouTube. Both of you make fantastic videos and complement each other perfectly with your different styles, like real soulmates. Smiley face. Cheers from Anne Lisa. Wow. There you go. There you go. Giving birth, pretty much, listening to Hello Internet. Yeah, I think we can claim that as like a Hello Internet baby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, I did ask her because I did reply because I I, I will put the email on on my blog. I won't Mm. put the picture on the blog because that's obviously a personal thing. Right, right. But uh, I did ask her um, if she had a boy or a girl. Mm -hmm. It was a boy. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't got a name as yet. Well, uh, so who was she going to name the boy after, I guess, is the question. I don't know. I wouldn't wish the name Brady on, on anyone. <laughs> but then again, I wouldn't wish the name CGP on anyone either. So <laughs> I, think, uh, I think she's going to have to uh, just go her own way on that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Hello Internet babies. Oh, are there, are there more Hello Internet babies? Well, of course. There's the most famous Hello Internet baby of all. And I did receive your uh, postage today. Where you have mailed to me, and I know I know you don't want me to say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> I was wondering, I was wondering if this was ever going to come yeah. up. You you have mailed to me the certificate you were given when uh, CGP Grey the Penguin was officially named. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a shining testament to how much you really will not accumulate things or, or anything sentimental. You've said basically not having that in my house. I sent you a video of me scanning the certificate in my house. And you immediately replied, warning me not to throw it away. And I promised you that I wouldn't. And I knew then exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. I, was, I was not going to throw it away, but I was going to give it to you. And I figure you can you can frame it somewhere in your house. No, no, I've got a better I've got a better plan. Oh yes? I uh, if you excuse the pun, I'm still hatching the plan. So I don't oh. know exa- I don't know about it exactly, but I think it will involve our Patreon supporters. So uh I mean, if you happen to be one of those people, keep an eye on the feed over the next few weeks to a month or so, and uh, there may be some news on that front. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing about this plan that is incubating at the moment. Oh, nice. Now, I just want to, I know I bring this up all the time, but I feel like I have to bring it up again. And people must think they're in some kind of time warp because actually I just listened to the old episode of Hello Internet that you put on YouTube today because you Mm -hmm. put them up a little bit behind real time. Mm -hmm. And I was discussing it on that. So people must think I talk about nothing else. (laughs) What what is it that you want to talk about, I just want to mention something about the word humble brag. Okay, let's do this yet again. (laughs) Everybody, listen carefully. Doesn't matter what you're going to say, Brady. Listen carefully. Gray and I love talking about humble bragging. I'm sure it will never stop. But we did not coin or invent the term when you when you see it or hear it and it's becoming more and more common you do not need to contact us and say haha well done guys your word is spreading freebooting yes i'll take that Mm -hmm. you should take that with pride i'll take it with pride but we had nothing to do with humble brag and in fact if you go back and listen to an early episode you can even hear the moment when i'm talking about this sort of phenomenon and he tells me oh it's called humble bragging you know there's mm-hmm. a whole website about it. We did not. The reason I feel compelled to do this is not just the tweets and the emails, mm-hmm. but the other day I got a text message from my wife saying, 
all excited, saying, did you invent humble breaking? I just heard it on the radio. (laughs) She doesn't listen to the podcast and she knows that- You say she doesn't listen to the podcast, but that to me is just- there could not be more proof that your wife has never listened to a single episode of yeah. Humble Internet because Humble Brag has been on all of them. <laughs> I know, but she, and we've multiple times said that we didn't coin it. But she, she, uh, <laughs> she does know there's some word that I carry on about sometimes that mm-hmm. that, we, that you know has been spreading, which is mm-hmm. obviously the, the freebooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, she obviously got a bit mixed up and heard it on the radio and sort of tried to be supportive and encouraging and proud of me. And I had to say, no, nah, mm-hmm. no, nah, nothing to do with it. Love. Mm. If the brag humble catches on, then it's me. Oh. Then it's me. But the humble brag, no. What was that again? I don't even remember what that was. That was some terrible idea. No, it was good. That, that's when you remember with the toothpaste on the face. It's when you brag to increase the humiliation. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't think so, Brady. I don't think that's going anywhere. Early days. Early days. <laughs> Early days. Early days. <laughs> I still think leg. I still think. Hang on. I, I always. I always say it incorrectly and upset people. Langyap, lanyap, or whatever it is. I still uh-huh. think that's. I'm holding out hope for that one. I know you are. I know you are. Uh, but not in, not in a like a new way. Not in a new use kind of way. But just in you know giving it a, you know, uh, an injection, increasing its popularity. Because I think my use of it is completely normal and fine. I don't even think I've adapted it. I feel uh, like people like you must be how languages split apart over time that there are there are there are people who are just insistent on creating new words and new ways to say things and when we used to have much greater geographical separation from each other it's people like you that would that would cause languages to shift and become incomprehensible to each other over hundreds of years i don't know if you're trying to insult me there but i'm taking it hugely as a compliment i think it's just i think it's just a thing i think people like you are the reasons that that languages split what, sort of creative people. Yeah. <laughs> almost almost as though if, if if we had enough time on this podcast, if there was an infinite amount of time stretching before us, at the end of that infinity of time, you would just be speaking an entire language constructed of your own words. Gray, give me another 20 episodes, mate. That's all I need. All right. Well, we'll put that on the calendar. All right. Next on follow up here. There was a really cool link. Uh, I haven't looked at it in much detail, but someone tweeted it to us and it had CGP Grey written all over it. Humans versus robots. Let's call this thing up. Let me pull this up. This is some kind of little web application where you can enter your job via a series of drop down menus mm-hmm. and it tells you the percentage likelihood that your job will be replaced by robots. Yes. Have you done it yet? And what did you put for your job? Let's see. Is there anything? What is the closest thing we could get to a YouTuber here? I, I, I couldn't find one. I ended up putting in photographer. I felt like that was the closest to my job. That's, that's not too bad for you. But mm-hmm. the, uh, okay, so we have art, design, entertainment, sports, and media as the, that, as the overall category. Yeah. Umpires mm-hmm. and referees. That's probably me. Dancer. <laughs> Why does radio announcers have a smiley face after it? Oh, right, because it's on NPR, right, of course. Uh, Editors, music, writers and authors. I mean, you I guess multimedia artists and animators. That's probably Uh, closest. Oh, that might be me too, actually. I didn't try that one. I think that's that's probably closest to you as well. Oh, I like that. 1.5% chance of me being automated. Yeah, so this, this website, if you try to find whatever is your job, it 
it tries to give you an estimate of, of the chance of it being automated. However, I came across this a little while ago and I thought, oh, this looks really interesting. And then I started playing around with it. And then I thought, wait, this seems this seems like a pile of nonsense, this website. Because I was trying to trying to figure out, okay, how are they how are they coming up with these numbers? And if you look on the bottom, they have a bunch of little axes on which they're trying to measure the jobs. You know, does your job need to come up with clever solutions? Are you required to personally help others? Does your job require negotiate negotiation? And then uh, the, the strange one: Does your job require you to squeeze into small spaces? And <laughs> it's an interesting one. Breaking down the jobs by those axes plus some others, and then saying, "Okay, what's what's the probability of automation?" Yeah. But if you start looking around at some of the jobs, they have what I think are just dumb results, results that don't make any sense. So, of course, I went to go see uh, under education, training, and library. What do they say for high school teachers? Actually, we should see, what does it say for, for newspaper reporters? Let's do that first. Where would newspaper reporters be? Well, that would be under media too, wouldn't it? I guess so. Media, do they have a technical writer? Is that you? Not really. No, you're more likely, oh, you're more likely to be maybe writers and authors. But even then, that doesn't really work. Uh, they don't have anything that's like a, I, I guess that's because the job is already just on the way out. Nobody's really <laughs> interested in, in yeah. newspaper writers. Right. Yeah, there's nothing here that's even remotely close to uh, a newspaper man. Hmm. Oh, editors, maybe? Editors? Okay, what does it have for editors? Let's just do that one. 5.5%. Uh, okay, that seems good. All right, so if we go over to education, and then you select high school teachers, this website gives it a 0.8% chance of being automated, which I would agree with, because, I mean, a big part of the job is just basically taking care of a room full of children, which is hard to automate putting all the education that's supposed to be happening aside, you still need an adult in a room full of children. Like that's, that's hard to automate that factor. If you jump from high school teachers down to middle school teachers, hmm. which in my perspective is basically the same job because I mean, this, this website is geared for America, but in the UK, I mean, the whole education system is different, but I basically taught middle school kids through to high school kids. It's like combined in the UK. Uh, this website suddenly jumps and says, oh, middle school teachers have a 17.4% chance of being automated. Like, wow. what on earth is is causing this difference? I don't think this is even remotely valid. Like, that that to me just says whatever whatever axes you're using here. It's like, oh, some researchers got together and they just arbitrarily scored some jobs on some axes and then made this little thing. But I don't think it's it's very informative. What do you think, what do you think I would look at? I think I've talked about it on the podcast before. Can you guess? You looked up some sports thing, like cricket, cricketeers. Have you looked up cricketeers? Oh, go away. No. <laughs> Nothing could replace cricketers. They are gods. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess it is hard to replace a god. I'll give you a clue. Give me a clue. What's, what's a regular segment on Hello Internet? Oh, you want to look up uh, airplane pilots. Yeah. What do they have for airplane pilots? You guess first. You guess and then I'll tell you. Don't cheat. Just what do you yeah, think yeah. it is? I'm, I'm going to guess it's something like um, over 97%. 54.6%. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, see this. I don't think I don't. I'm not going along with this website. That's pretty high still. I can't wait to send that to my pilot, mate. I've been telling him for years that he's going to get replaced. How, how does he react to that? He thinks there's no chance. And I tell him it's... Almost a fair complete. Again, we talked about this before. It's longer than the cars, but it is it is inevitable. Yeah, some of these are so dumb. I'm just kind of randomly jumping around here. 
Personal chefs, 30.5% chance of being automated. I mean, I guess that depends on what you're kind of talking about. Like if I can 3D print my food, it, that's not quite the same as a personal chef. Uh, all these jobs don't even have any idea what they so are. So apparently the job that is least likely to be replaced by robots is mental health and substance abuse social workers. Hmm, there you go, kids. <laughs> and the one most likely to be replaced and, and is already being replaced is telemarketer. Hmm. That's not that's not surprising. Followed by podcaster. No, podcaster. <laughs> podcaster, yeah. 0% chance. Irreplaceable. 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 Well, this speak I guess if we're speaking of podcasts, then now is the time to talk about your your new fling. Oh, yes, yes. I did uh just yesterday put out a a new podcast that I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing like a 10 episode series with Mike Hurley of relay.fm called Cortex. Mike just wants to interview me about some of the ways that I work, some of the nerd details about how I work. So if you want to hear more of me on podcasts, you can go to relay.fm slash cortex and uh, give it a listen. Do it. And for all the people who've been contacting me asking how I feel about being like a, a spurned wife, <laughs> can I can I just say I'm currently uh, open to offers and if anyone wants to... Uh, Talk to me, open negotiations. I'm uh, I'm very receptive at the moment. I did send you flowers. I did send you flowers. <laughs> you did send me. You actually, you did send me. You did send me emoji flowers. I did. And you know what they say when someone starts sending you flowers? That's the first sign that they've been up to funny business behind your back. Is that what they say? Is that the is that the advice? Apparently. So if you start sending me a whole lot of emoji flowers, I'm going to know that you've been slagging mm. me off on the other podcast, which mm. you have told me not to listen to. Which makes me, which makes me even more suspicious. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it would be good for you to listen to me on another podcast. I think you have to listen to me enough. It's, it doesn't seem like you want to listen to me more. Right. I, I have told you in private though that I have, I am surprised that you have not started your own interview podcast. I always thought that was inevitable. Like once we started doing this thing and we, we kept it going, I've been just waiting for the day that you send me an email telling me that you are starting your own podcast where you're going to go interview some other people. With all that, with all that spare time I have. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I would want to listen to that podcast. It's this, this seems to me like we're going to have uh, we're going to have, Airplane pilots getting automated, that's inevitable. And I feel like a Brady interview podcast is is inevitable. Oh, well, for now, I've got you and that's all I need. Aw, let me send you a flower. Thank you. But for those who want even more grey in their life, go check out Cortex and hear, hear all about it. Uh, and now that we've indulged you, let's indulge me. But it's not playing Crash Corner this week. It's it says new- Plane Crash Corner. No, it doesn't. What does it say? Oh, it says Plane Crash C. That's My brain right. is filling in the Orner. That's right. Because this week we have a new segment oh, yes. called Plane Crash. Well, no, it's not even Crash. It's just called Plane Compensation. Because guess what? This sounds boring. What is this? It is It is unbelievably boring. I, actually, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm already regretting it. <laughs> Wow, I can't wait to find out what this is. But I promise to indulge you. Remember that Remember that um, podcast a while back where I talked about being stranded on the runway for hours and then I missed my connection and missed my mate's party and all that in Australia? Yeah, 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 I remember that. Well, after that happened, I thought, I must be entitled to compensation. And I went to these websites oh, that tell no. you what to do. And it, t- and it said, send this pro forma letter and stuff. So I just copied the letter 
and I don't normally do this kind of thing, but I was so fired up, I thought, I'm going to try. So I, I filled out the letter, I sent it off to the airline, and then completely forgot I'd done it because I, like, cooled down and, you know, didn't mm-hmm. care anymore. And just the other day, so it must be months later, I got this email from the airline saying, you are indeed entitled to compensation. Fill out this form, give us your bank details, send us a scan of your passport, and we'll send you some money. And have they? Well, I don't know, because I just did this like a day or two ago. Oh, uh, so you don't have the money yet. I don't have the money yet, but that, that just gives me a whole nother reason to bring this up on a future podcast. Hmm. But I still think that's progress. I think this is interesting. There could be something in this. There could be something in this, but I, I mean, I hope for your sake that you just get compensation for having to sit on the runway for forever. But I can only imagine that this is the start of some kind of long, multi-year Brazil-like process of of forms and offices and signatures and notaries and all kinds of things. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the next step is, oh, thanks for your bank details. You now need to send us your passport and driver's license so we can verify your identity. And yes, make sure that you were the person on the plane. Uh, and then, oh, you, you know, you have to go to the, the this office to collect the check in person in the basement, you know, past the, the door marked beware of tiger. In Nigeria. <laughs> this is, I can only assume that this is, this is where this is going. I hope for your sake, they just send you some money, but I, I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't get my hopes up if I were you. No, I'm, I'm expecting a big wad of cash at some point. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's, that's how they're going to send it. A wad yeah. of cash in the mail. Yeah. Yeah, or gold bars. <laughs> yeah, a brown paper bag just overflowing with money. Here you go, so we're terribly sorry. I'm looking forward to it. Oh. I will keep you. I will keep you informed <laughs> oh, for the next installment of Plain Compensation Corner. Wow, <laughs> these are getting better and better, Brady. <laughs> I know. I know. If I take the word "plain" out, I think it will be completely boring. Compensation That's corner. That's the next. Yeah, corporate compensation corner. Oh boy. That's good. That's that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah. So yeah, we can, we can ask people for their their tales of corporate compensation in the Reddit. It'll be very exciting. Mm, God, I'm sorry, I'm bored already. This episode is brought to you by Harry's.com. Harry's offers high quality razors and blades for a fraction of the price of the big razor brands. Harry's was started by two guys who wanted a better product without paying an arm and a leg. They make their own blades from their own factory, an old one in Germany they liked so much that they bought it. These are high quality, high performing German blades crafted by shaving experts, giving you a better shave that respects your face and your wallet. In addition to getting a high quality at a low price, you don't have to go to a store to buy your razor blades or wait around for people at the store to help you out. They just get shipped straight to your door. The starter set is an amazing deal. For $15, you get a razor, moisturizing shave, cream or gel, and three razor blades. When you need more blades, they're just two bucks each or less. The Harry's packaging is really nice, and I in particular love their little logo. So with Harry's, you do get everything. The convenience and ease of ordering online, high-quality blades, a great handle and shaving cream, and excellent customer service at half the price of the big brands. Go to harrys.com and use the promo code HI to save $5 off your first purchase and to show your support for Hello Internet. Once again, that's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S, and use the promo code HI so they know that you came from Hello Internet. I wanted to briefly bring up the uh, the death of John Nash. 
who is mm. a super, super famous mathematician, won the Nobel Prize in economics, did a lot of really impressive mathematics as well. He he recently won the Arbel, or I think I say Abel, but I think people who know what they're talking about maybe call it the Arbel Prize, which is kind of like the Nobel Prize of mathematics. Mm-hmm. And it was it was actually coming back from winning that prize. He was on his way back from the airport in New Jersey with his with his wife, and they very unfortunately were killed in a crash. The taxi they were in crashed, hmm. uh, and it was it was interesting because apparently they were not wearing seatbelts, and there seems to be a very heavy suggestion that perhaps this is this was uh, this is why they died. I don't know. I don't know much about the crash, but. That's what people say. I, did you know that? He, did you know about this incident? Yeah, I had I had seen the news uh, on Twitter probably that uh, John Nash and his wife had been killed in a car accident. I didn't realize it was back from the award ceremony, which makes it kind of extra sad. It um, does. It does definitely. Yeah, I was, um, I was aware of this. The and for those of you who don't know who John Nash is, he was the one portrayed by Russell Crowe in A Beautiful Mind, which yes. is uh, which is why a lot of people may have heard of him, even if they are not math enthusiasts. The first thing I wanted to very quickly ask is, do you always wear seatbelts in taxis? Because I, I sometimes don't. Yeah, it's... It's, it's a weird fu- one, isn't it? It's funny because at, at some point, I, I know I, I grew up and I just didn't. And then it's at some stage of being an adult, I remember realizing, what the hell am I doing? Well, like, why, why do I think that sitting in the back of a taxi doesn't require a seatbelt to be buckled? Hmm. I, I don't know what I don't I, like I can't remember when this occurred, but I do remember having that thought at some point and realizing like, what the hell brain? You know, just because it's it's like a, a car that you're going to get out of quickly doesn't change the requirement to wear a seatbelt. Hmm. It's kind of like buses and seatbelts like, oh, you know, we don't need seatbelts on buses. It's fine. You're safe because it's a bus. It's like, wouldn't it be safer with a seatbelt? I think it would be. But lots of buses don't even have seatbelts. Yeah. Do you wear the seatbelt? Well, like I said, I quite often don't in kind of, you know, like the black cabs in London because it just doesn't feel like a place that you wear belts. But I do if it's like a normal car. But but I should all the time, uh, as should everyone. Uh, So there you go. But I was talking to a taxi driver actually a couple of days ago. Well, I was actually talking to my mate next to me about John Nash and we were talking about seatbelts and he was eavesdropping. So he started talking to us about seatbelts in taxis. The and taxi actually, driver was eavesdropping? Is that what you're saying? He was, yes. Okay. And taxi drivers apparently are not always required to wear seatbelts. The reason being in Wait, case they- how? But what? Well, apparently it's because if they get sometimes, if they can get into dicey situations with like rowdy or drunk customers and or, you know- situations can arise where wearing a seatbelt is not necessarily what the taxi driver wants. So they they probably should, and I certainly would, but if they're not wearing one, in some circumstances, that is allowed, at least where I was. I can't speak for every municipality, government, council, county, city in the world. I've, I've, I, I, can't, I can't imagine this. Uh, I have to well, look. Can you up. not? Can you not imagine like if a taxi driver is wearing a seatbelt and it's somehow some some criminal person next to them like could use the fact they're wearing a seatbelt to to pin them in or to do something to them and like I think I can easily see why that would be a rule. This this just feels like a thing of of probabilities that it's it's easy to imagine scenarios under which the driver's seatbelt might be a hindrance because of a a, a passenger problem. Yeah. Right. 
and it's it's less easy to think about all of the the time that they're driving on the road. Like, surely that's the greater danger, like the probability well, of. I think I think basically maybe if if this rule does exist anywhere, it's just saying, okay, taxi drivers, you decide. You decide which risk you want. I mean, I, I have it up here that it's on gov.uk that in the UK, licensed taxi drivers uh, is not required to wear a, wear a seatbelt. Are you suggesting the taxi driver was wrong? Wait, I, I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that the, the taxi driver is not required to wear a seatbelt. Oh, 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 sorry. It, oh, it does say that, does it? Yes. Are you saying I was right? I'm saying that you are right. So, sorry, I'm in shock. I've never been right before. <laughs> I just I just assumed you were going to tell me I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Your brain, your brain inserted the other thing. No, I, I know. I, am, I, know. I am on, saying I'm that s- I have a government web page that agrees with you here, saying on, that licensed taxi drivers not 4th required. Of, 4th of June, two thousand and fifteen. This has oh, happened at least was once r- before. <laughs> I was right. Uh, there you go. There you go. Well, I've, I've, I've introduced that. I think this should be a video. This should be a video for you, Matt. Go ahead. You can have that. You can have that for your video. I'm, I'm, I'm still just baffled by this. It, and it also looks like on this website, seatbelts, the law, that, oh, now there's seagulls outside my that's apartment. That's lovely. That's lovely. You've got to, I think that's gorgeous. Seagulls. Thanks a lot, seagulls. Got to cut that. I like that. that. Don't no. cut that. That was gorgeous. This is, it's so hot in this apartment. Keep it, Gray. Keep the seagulls. Okay. Anyway, back to seatbelts. The important thing. Yeah. Uh, it, it says here that... A driver who is reversing does not re- need to wear a seatbelt, which seems like a very strange, is the, is the idea that maybe the seatbelt gets in your way when you're trying to reverse? I don't know. That's, uh, that's very strange. And it also, there's also an exception for police, fire, and rescue services for seatbelts. So there you cool. go. Cool. Many exceptions. I, I find it shocking and surprising. There was another thing about John Nash's death that I wanted to bring up because- Obviously, uh, running like a mathematics YouTube channel number file, there was sort of requests for, for a video. So we did make some videos. Mm-hmm. And I guess it was more my decision than anything. But I, it, but in talking with the people who were in my video, we decided not to sort of talk about his death in the video mm-hmm. uh, and just make it about some of his mathematics. Mm. And it was just, you know, this is John Nash. He was like a big deal and this is what he did and here's the mathematics behind it and here's why mathematicians really respect him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are a few reasons, but one of them was, I don't know, I just kind of wanted the video to be timeless. In a in a year or two, I was hoping people would watch this when John Nash's death wasn't in the news and wasn't of, right. you know, tremendous interest. And I still wanted people to watch it and think, okay, that's who John Nash was and that's what that's his mathematics. And I thought it would... I thought it was unnecessary, but I also thought it would really date the video um, mm. in the long term. And I don't always go down that path, but this time I did. And there are a lot of comments under the video. A lot of people thought maybe I'd recorded it before he died, or I, we didn't know he died, or we were careless. or But not many people thought it would, had been left out on purpose. Even though at the end of the video, I did put John Nash and his year of birth and death as well as as the one tiny nod to the fact that I'm aware he's dead. Yeah. Uh, People on the internet, they don't often assume competence. <laughs> they assume no. incompetence on your part. Yeah. I was just wondering, I, I would have thought you would agree with my course of action there. It sounds like something you would do because you're a big one for timeless videos. And Yeah, yeah. I mean... I want it to be timely, yeah. but timeless. 
Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with that. And I almost, I almost feel like it's more respectful to not talk about his death. I definitely agree with that too. I don't think the fact that, you know, he died coming back from getting his prize or he died in, a, in an unfortunate way is sort of should be used to define him in any way. Uh, you know, and it's not like I was doing a news report. I was just making a video about his mathematics and I wanted that to take precedence. Yeah, I mean, I mean if you think about uh, if you think about ca- like cast your mind back to uh, scientists or mathematicians that, whose names you can think of and, and whose work you know, can you name how any of them died? Like I'm no, trying to think, yeah, of like course. very few. But I'm thinking, like, I, like I don't know how Isaac Newton died. It's just the first one that comes to mind. I yeah. feel I feel like did Albert Einstein die at his desk in Princeton? I, I'm not 100 percent sure if that's the case. I, but I don't know. I know. I think he died in bed because his last words were to his nurse and. Uh, I think no one knows what they were because the nurse didn't speak German or something like that. Mm. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, um, but yeah. So I, I, I would feel that the the timelessness of the video aside, it's still correct to leave out his death because you feel like okay, you're trying to make a video that's explaining the interesting thing about this person's life and how they died, even if it's sad. That's not. That's not why this person is a notable person. They are a notable person for the work that they have done. And you are explaining in, in a way like why someone should care that this person, John Nash, existed. And and so, yeah, I, I would definitely say it's, it's the right decision to not talk about his death, even if his death has just occurred. And you are making the video precisely because of his death. Cool. I feel better now. Yeah, but you knew. You knew. You I, know, right I know. I know. I know. Just, I just said that because it felt like I should say something to end the conversation. <laughs> Podcasts are strange. Trying not to be awkward on a podcast. No, no. Life is like that too. Like if we were talking at the pub and that had just happened, I probably would have just said something as well to sort of just respond to you. Because mm. otherwise I'd just stand there looking at you gormlessly. Yes. Well, we, we do have the additional problem that we can't see each other right mm. now. Mm. And that we're just constantly aware that other people are listening to us talk so dead air is is like a big problem so we have to keep talking dead air is your problem do you take photographs i'm guessing you probably do maybe you've got a thousand photos of your pet chihuahua playing in the gardens like i do or maybe one of you and cgp gray posing awkwardly by the clifton suspension bridge or maybe there's one of you listening to the Hello Internet podcast while in hospital giving birth to a baby boy. Whatever you have, they shouldn't remain hidden away on your phone or on a memory stick or some folder on your computer. Get them out there, show the world, and there's a great way to do it because Fracture exists. Fracture lets you go online, upload your picture, and then have it literally printed onto a piece of glass, kind of like on the back of the glass, not the front, because I guess it would get all scratched, on the back of this piece of glass, and then you can just mount it to your wall. There's no frames, no bits of paper, no mat boards, no problems at all, just smooth, clean lines. It's the sort of look and display that leaves people like Grey purring like a kitten. And by the way, they do include all the little bits and pieces you'll need to hang it on the wall. Don't panic. You're not going to be left with the job of mounting this pure pane of glass on your wall. It's as easy as one, two, three. Now, I've been thinking outside the box, and I've come up with three other types of images that maybe you could get fractured onto glass like this and hang it in your home or your office or something like that. 
your favourite astronomy image, maybe the Andromeda galaxy or one of your favourite nebula. They're always really colourful and pretty and I think they look really great on the back of a piece of glass. Or how about a flag that means something to you? The state flag of Maryland maybe, depending on your house decor. But here's my favourite of the day. How about a piece of art by yours or someone else's children? A particular eye-catching finger painting or something like that, which normally spends a few weeks on the fridge and then gets all tatty and covered in coffee stains. I can think of loads of people who'd love that, probably as a gift. Their favourite kitty painting looking all professional and on glass, that would make a great keepsake. Why don't you give that a try? These fractures do make great presents. Now, if you're feeling inspired and want to try this, here's where to go. FractureMe.com. When you get there, you'll get 15% off your first purchase by using the offer code HelloInternet. That's all one word, HelloInternet. And it will also mean the Fracture people know you came from here. That web address again, FractureMe.com. So go and give it a go. This is a great way to get some of your favorite images out there. Don't have them hidden away, have them out on display. So I wanted to follow up something with you from the last show that Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to talk to you then, but the conversation kind of got away from us. But you said a a very interesting thing, which was that you were turning up your health light bulb lately. Mm -hmm. And I I wanted to ask you about that. But before we even talk about what's going on there, the thing that caught my attention was, was when you mentioned this last time, you prefaced it with a remark that was something to the effect of how oh, you're not supposed to to talk about your health in, in public or... Uh, yeah. What, what was that? That, that, that struck me as a, a very interesting comment. And I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear some of yeah, well, what were you I thinking? Mean, I don't remember where I read this or where I saw this, but mm-hmm. it did strike a chord with me and it had like a it smacked of some truth. And that is when you... This is this whole thing where if you set goals or things you're going to do, it can be counterproductive to tell people that you're going to do it because usually just the process of telling people you're going to do it gives you that kind of satisfaction or drug release in your brain or whatever it is that makes you feel like you've done it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just telling people, do you know what? I'm going to lose weight and I've got this big plan and here's what I'm going to do. Sometimes telling that and hearing people go, oh, that's brilliant, really good and giving you pats on the back and telling you how great you are. Mm-hmm. That that gives you the satisfaction you were looking for, and sometimes you won't just follow through with it. Hmm. I don't I don't know if it's true or not, but it was quite a recent thing for me. So you know, for you know, I can remember all the times over the years I've said to my wife, "Oh, I'm gonna get healthy," and she's mm-hmm. like, "What? Whatever. Talk to me after you've done it." So so in that so in that respect, I'm trying. I, that respect, I've now got an attitude a lot more of don't tell people what you're gonna do, just do it. But on the other hand, telling people publicly you're gonna do something can sometimes be quite good. Because then if you don't do it, a whole lot of other people know you didn't do it. So that's why I kind of thought, ah, maybe I will say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel maybe bad about having drawn you out. But, it's, but it seems like you you do kind of want to talk about this publicly. Then. No, no, I'm, yeah, I'm fine with it. Do you know why I'm fine with it? Why? Let me, let me get my r- report out. Mm-hmm. Because I've lost 3.9 kilograms, apparently. I need to do my calculations here. What was it, like... Uh, Seven pounds? I think it's like seven or eight pounds. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty good, actually. Eh. Let me pull out my little converter here. But it's getting to a point now that, like, if I do a weigh-in, you know, I'm, I'll am i shave all the hair off my body and make sure I'm wearing absolutely nothing. And <laughs> <laughs> Next, I'll be holding helium balloons or anything I can think of. that I don't know what I can do that will help, but... 
<laughs> would, would helium balloons increase your weight or decrease it? It, it would decrease your weight. Other, otherwise, they wouldn't float. You can't, you can't bring helium balloons onto the scale, Brady. That's cheap. But, yeah, I'm not sure. But like, if you've got, if you've got a like a big can, and you and then you fill it up with lots and lots of helium, I guess you'd have to put it under pressure, wouldn't? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's the only question: Did you put enough helium in the can so that it floats? Because I'm going to guess the answer is no. Yeah, and then the right. can will increase your weight. Okay. <laughs> well, well, then I'm not rolling out. I'm not rolling out helium balloons then. <laughs> I used to think about this all the time um, when uh, there was a little ritual when I was I was visiting my family home from college uh, that my father was always excited to have me around because it was time for me to help bring a whole bunch of stuff to the dump and uh, we, we'd have to load up the car and, and go to the local dump and one of the things that always caught my attention I thought was interesting was they had these big scales where the car has to has to weigh in on the on the way into the dump and then has to weigh on the way out and you basically had to pay by how much stuff you were uh, dumping off at the dump, yeah. And I, I always, it always used to cross my mind of like how to cheat the system. And I was thinking like, okay, we can go to the dump, but we can have the car just filled with helium balloons, and then right, so the car is going to weigh less mm-hmm. on the way in. And then when we get in there, we we you know we dump the actual materials and we release all of the helium balloons into the sky, and then on the way back out, and like wondering if this would be cost effective. Like, how much are we paying for the material that we're dumping versus what is the cost of the helium balloons? I never quite did that calculation, but it was always on my mind every time we went there. I like it. I like your thinking. Yeah, how to how to cheat the municipal system. <laughs> I once did a story uh, when I was at the BBC about a guy who was really, really, really obese. Um, it was a really nice report and he was like, he wanted to do it because he wanted to raise a lot of awareness about, uh, you know, health problems. And mm-hmm. he was telling me the only way he could weigh himself was to go to the local dump like that and go on the on the scale that was used by the cars. It mm-hmm. was the only scale he could use to weigh himself. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that, that, and I, I thought, oh, the main thing that struck me was, gosh, that must be like embarrassing. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty embarrassing. He was such a top man. He was He was a brilliant man. Uh, it was really good what he was trying to, you know, the awareness he was trying to raise. But he was also a very big man. You're not using the dump scale for yourself. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm using. I'm using normal ones, and I'm. I'm fighting the urge to weigh myself too often because if you if you do it too often, like you get that, you know, you get all the fluctuations. But if you wait every week or so, because I have I have done this before quite successfully, mm-hmm. uh, and I found if you do it once a week, that's much more encouraging than doing it every day when you start seeing little ups and downs and. Thinking you're a failure. So here's a question then, Brady. Mm. You're weighing yourself every uh, every week. You're saying, well, I'm thinking I might weigh myself on podcast recording day. So, I well, can this is where I was going with this. Yeah. I don't right? want to turn this into like one of those like health shows, though. But and I'm not going to spend every show talking about health and stuff. But mm-hmm. there you go. We'll see. The reason why I was asking yeah. is that if you will agree to do the weigh-ins on the podcast. (laughs) I will also do weigh-ins on the podcast because I also need to lose some weight. And I think this is a thing that we can do together, Brady, in in front of maybe like 100,000 people. (laughs) So there's no pressure. As I said, I lost three point, what did I say? 3.9 kilograms? 3.9 kilograms, yes. That's actually since the last podcast recording. You want to you want to start there? You want to get a, a week ahead on me on this no, one? No, 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 no. It'll just be. It'll just be. It'll be. We'll play it like. Oh no, you don't understand sport. 
Uh, I do understand sport. Tell me, tell me about your sports ball. <laughs> I was going to say we'll do it instead of doing it like as an overall, you know, who loses the most over a fixed period of time. We'll just do each two weeks who lost the most that week, and if you lost the most that week, you get a point. And then, and then it's like the next week you can win a point again. So it's like in golf, like more like match play rather than stroke play. I don't know. The thing is, though, is it going to get to a point where like. Like we starve ourselves like the night before the podcast, and it could affect our podcast performance. It could be like it could. This could be detrimental, Gray. It could be like, gosh, Brady and Gray—they both just sounded terrible on the podcast today. And it's like, well, that's because they didn't eat for two days before the podcast because <laughs> they wanted to slip it, slip down an extra pound. <laughs> uh, that that will that will not be my plan. That will not be my plan. I will okay. I will be I will be changing my my diet, but not necessarily restricting my diet. I think would be would be my plan. Ah, uh, see, I go more the other way. I yeah. I more I more restrict it and not change it. With everything that we do, it's mm-hmm. not the it's not the same. But so, like again, I I, I don't want to push you, but are, are you're you're in on this? You want I'll, to do at the, in the next podcast? I'll tell you how how much I've lost since this podcast, and you do the same. As long as we do it in kilograms, people can convert the numbers. People can yeah. convert the numbers. I know, but I can't. So you've just got to tell me in kilograms. Oh, that reminds me, I've got a story. Oh, Brady story time. This was a good, this was, this was a really good uh, fan interaction. It's like your dream fan interaction. Mm -hmm. My wife ran a 10 kilometer race in Bristol uh, at the weekend and I went along to watch and (laughs) so eating a, you know, bacon sandwich. So didn't I feel healthy while she was running 10 Ks? (laughs) And uh, so I was- You're chomping it as she runs by. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, uh, I did did bump into one like, you know, viewer slash listener before the race and he Mm. said hello and and that was was fine. But then during the race, I was, there were like 15,000 people or something running in this race. And I was sort of standing at the side of the road waiting for my wife to come by like near the finish line. And there was just a stream of people that was just like thousands and thousands of people running past Mm -hmm. and thousands and thousands of people lining the side. So it was just like faces everywhere. Mm. And as all these people were running past me and I was kind of uh, waiting for my wife, I was actually using the tracking app to see where she was, which you'd appreciate. Um, oh, the, the, the find yeah. my friends thing. Yeah. Like the one on your, on your iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I knew, I knew she was coming soon. And suddenly this, this, this voice says, Brady. And I'm, I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And then suddenly I realized it was a guy who was like running past me. Mm-hmm. He goes, Brady. And I sort of looked at him and he goes, I'm a big fan. And then he just kept, and he kept running. He never stopped. <laughs> so like he obviously, and I don't know how he spotted me because I was just a face in this huge crowd and he was just running along. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously, and normally when people spot you and you're like not particularly well known like us, you're just this obscure person who it's like, oh, have I seen that person before or not? Normally it takes someone like five minutes to say, yeah, that's, that's who it is. But mm-hmm. he obviously picked me out in a crowd, decided that's who I was, called out, said he was a fan and went past <laughs> all in this, all in the space of five seconds. The guy was a genius <laughs> and like i was so taken aback that i just sort of stood there and went thanks <laughs> um but then but then after he after he'd gone and it was like it was over so quickly i did think that's gray's kind of fan interaction like there was no chance for awkwardness because the guy just had to keep running he was like he was 100 meters from the finish line <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so no, whoever no you, stopping then so whoever you were uh Thanks. Thanks for watching. <laughs> he was a legend, that guy. I really enjoyed it. That's pretty funny. I have to say yeah, that is pretty funny. I did like it. I did like it. I did like it. So uh, I was humbled again by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course. I'm, 
I'm going to always say I'm humbled by those things from now. Yes, that, that this is going to be your thing. Uh, so next podcast, we will compare losses from this day to the next. All right. So, yeah. Or, or gains, potentially. <laughs> yes, or, or gains. Or gains. Yeah. I feel like I need to high five you over the internet to get this started, but we can't do that. I don't know. I feel a bit awkward about this. It feels really, it feels a bit like naff, like a bit, you know. No, come on, man. Like, we're in this together. We're in this together. Yeah. Okay. High five. There we go. Mm, now that, that's even more naff. Hello, Internet is brought to you by Backblaze.com. Backblaze, the service that if it isn't running on your computer right now, you need to sign up. Backblaze is an online backup service. It's a little application that runs on your Mac or your Windows PC and constantly sends your files up into the cloud to be safely protected from the dangers that exist in your office. What sort of dangers? All kinds of dangers. Electrical surges, pets, children, your own glass of water that's sitting on the desk above your computer that you spill carelessly onto it. All of these kinds of things can destroy the data that lives in your machine. But don't worry, Backblaze is here to help. They're pros at this. They have over 150 petabytes of data backed up on their servers. How much is that? It's just, it's like all of human knowledge times a bazillion. That's how much data that is. And with your data on the cloud, you can access it from anywhere. You can use an iPhone or an Android app to get access to one of your files from your phone the moment you need it. And this is something that I've personally done, which is surprisingly handy. There's no add-ons. There's no gimmicks. There's no additional charges. It's just $5 per month per computer for unlimited, unthrottled backup. It's almost unbelievable to me that this kind of service can be that cheap. You really, you really need to sign up for this kind of thing if you don't have it already. Because otherwise, your data is just, it's vulnerable to the world. At any moment, your hard drive can break. Or when you're out of the house, someone can come in and just steal all of your electronics. You don't, in that situation, want to have to worry about your data as well. You want to know that your data is just safe. So Backblaze, it's peace of mind for your data. So right now, go to backblaze.com slash hello internet and sign up if you don't already have this on your computer. Do it. Last time we assigned Getting Things Done, the book, which I think you brought up. You brought this up. It was totally my doing, Gray. I bought the book without telling you. Right. And because it means so much to you, I decided I wanted to try and read it. And I told you I was going to read it. And then we kind of co-decided, well, let's set it as homework so that when mm -hmm. we discuss it on the podcast, other people can can join in, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So if you haven't finished Getting Things Done or you haven't started, I guess this is that time in the podcast where we hear later from people who pause it, go out read a whole book and then come back and then unpause the podcast. This is your no, moment. No, can I can I just say, now. can I just say don't pause yet. Just wait a bit longer before you decide whether or not to pause. Because here we go. Uh -huh. Brady has not done his homework. Oh. I thought you did do your homework. I've got something to say about it though. Okay. Okay, what's going on here? Well, I bought the book in paper printed form and as mm -hmm. proof not that this counts as proof but there it is oh wow yeah i'm totally convinced now 
I have got the book and I've also tweeted pictures mm-hmm. and, and we did discuss how the printed version was probably better than getting the audio book mm-hmm. via audible.com mm-hmm. slash hello internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it very quickly became apparent to me that my only chance to read this book before deadline was going to be getting the audio book because I'm doing, as I am I'm, I'm doing a bit of running, I mm-hmm. walk the dogs, I'm doing mm-hmm. a lot of driving at the moment. So I figured the only time I was going to actually get this done <laughs> was mm-hmm. was during these times. So I downloaded the audiobook. Mm-hmm. I started listening to it. Mm-hmm. I read a li- I read a little bit, but then I started listening to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And I think I've probably listened to about an hour to an hour and a half of it. And I have stopped with no plan to resume. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the part where you will be proud of me, Gray. I'm laughing because just before uh, uh, we started recording this podcast, I was having dinner with my wife and I made some predictions about what might happen in the getting things done section. And, yep. and so far, I'm actually kind of on track. I, I think, I'm, I'm, think I'm, I'm doing pretty well with my predictions. Okay. But tell me, did, tell me what, what, am I gonna, what am I going to be proud of? Did you predict that I would have pages of notes for you? I would not have predicted that. Well... Your prediction is about to go awry because I went down today and I wrote down loads and loads of things mm-hmm. about why I will not be doing my homework. One of one of my thoughts is that you would find this book deadly boring. Is that correct? I think you are understating the case there. <laughs> death death would have would have been uh, a welcome respite. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Can I just say before I before I get stuck in that I am aware that this book means a lot to you and uh and everyone likes different things and I respect that you like it and what it's done for you. Um uh, and also you know I went into this with some prejudices uh which were enhanced as I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And also I just really don't like homework. Like mm-hmm. I know, I, I like, I know everyone says they don't like homework at school and never did mm-hmm. homework at school, but you cannot understand how much I didn't like homework and how much I avoided doing it. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing that makes me happiest about the fact that I am no longer at school or university is that I don't have to do homework. I don't have mm-hmm. to do things in my spare time that I don't like. Right. And so it's really, really hard for, for me to, devote that much time to something I don't like. Right. Uh, so that's, that's the benefit of being an adult is you get to make decisions about your, your own time. It is wonderful being an adult. Let me get my notes out. Because I think, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like we should deal with my side of things first. I, 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 I am fascinated to talk to you and I want to, I want to clear something before you, you say anything, anything further. Go ahead. Which is... And now this is the part where I have a hard time now remembering what we've said to each other in private and what we've said on podcasts. So I'll, I'll mm. try to try to summarize this. But I know that at at some point, maybe in the podcast, maybe in person, we had a we had a little bit of a, a misunderstanding because I made some remark about how like oh, this book won't help you, or I, I said something along those lines, and yeah, I think you 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 took that in exactly the opposite way that I kind of, I meant it because as we've discussed, I actually 
like you get more stuff done than I do. You work more than I do. And I think you are more productive than I am. Like if we compared mm. our days. Mm. And so when when I made this remark about how like, oh, this this book won't help you. I was actually kind of coming at it from the from the opposite perspective of like, this is a book for, I guess now like 12 years ago, me who was just totally useless at everything. And I, I don't, I, I didn't necessarily think that for someone like you, who is already working a lot and is very productive and is, and is in control of their own life. I didn't think that there would be a lot in this book for you. So that is the way, that is the way that I meant it. Like, oh, okay. you know, that, 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 that was kind of the perspective that I was, I was coming from. I have to say, I, I was never insulted by you saying that. I mean, mm. I took a little bit more along the lines of that I'm a, because I'm, I would not describe myself as someone who is totally in control of my life. I didn't and say I took, totally I, in control. <laughs> so I, I took it more like, you know, Brady's a little bit disorganized, but he will always be that way. And no, and no book's going to whip him into shape. And I did not take that as an insult. I took mm. it as actually a stone cold truth. Mm. Um, but I certainly was not insulted by it. So you don't mm. need to feel like, you know, you, uh, you upset me in any way. No, that, uh, that, that, that's not what I meant. But what, what I just mean is, is it's like... Okay. It's like uh, there are, there are some people who are more naturally productive than others. And I am I am very far on one end of that spectrum and I think you are much further along on the other end of that spectrum. Yeah. And so a book like this is very different. Like people on on opposite ends of those spectrum have different problems they're trying to solve. Are you sort of saying that you feel like this book is maybe like a, you know, a get healthy diet book? And it would be pointless for like a professional athlete to read it because they're already healthy. Or do you mean it in that context? Or yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I I think that 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 kind of is the case of like if if you're taking someone who is incredibly unhealthy, they need different advice than someone who is already fit and trying to get fitter. Maybe okay. All right. That, that's that's one way to look at it. All right. All right. Well, you make me feel a bit bad now because I'm about to get stuck into this book but uh let no, me you should, no you should feel good <laughs> let me tell you let me take you let me take you through the book please or do. you know let me take you through my opinions on the book mm. and these are all based on having not finished it so i know this is a bit like reviewing a movie and you didn't stay to the end and it should be taken with that massive grain of salt all right do, so, you, do you happen to know what chapter you got to i'm just curious no i don't okay uh and so this is this is basically just me going through a bunch of prejudices and fleeting impressions and i'll try and get through it reasonably quickly don't take it personally if you like the book don't uh, rush don't rush i am i can't wait i can't wait to hear this i'm so i'm so excited i'm also very aware this book is massively successful and i have not written a massively successful book or come up with a massively successful plan for people to organize their lives so this guy is already ahead of me on the curve but that, that's not but, how criticism works i haven't made any movies but i can still say that a movie sucks let's go now, let me start with real first impressions here. This is mm-hmm. this is based almost on the cover of the book and hearing hearing yes. you and, and other people talk about it uh-huh. beforehand. You're so excited. I I don't know whether you're gonna get more excited by this or suddenly feel like your world crumbles down. But anyway, let's do it. <laughs> My first impression about this whole getting things done thing was that it was kind of almost a bit cult like. Mm-hmm. 
because you hear this thing about the, you know, the GTD system and people have got like their little abbreviation for it and a hashtag for it. And you get the book and it's got all these quotes all over it. And it's got this sort of the, the smarmy picture of the, of your, of your leader with his glowing white teeth. <laughs> like, like, like he's coming down with the tablets from on high. It's like, oh, look at him. He's so, he's so handsome and smart looking and he's going to have all the answers for us. So it's a bit like, I don't know, mm-hmm. like I said, cult like. And even on the back of the book, this is a quote from the back of the book. It says, an entire culture of personal organization that offers to change the way people work and live. Mm-hmm. If someone came up to me on the street with a clipboard and said, can I talk to you about an entire culture of personal organization that offers to change the way that you work and live? Mm-hmm. I would probably think they were a Scientologist. Right. Or they were from some weird organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this was the first impression I had. And then when I started reading it, a few things sort of started adding to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few little terms. Hang on. Let me open the book here. Did I? Because I've been scribbling notes in the book. Yeah. It sort of, it talked about things like being engaged in the moment and things like that. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, oh gosh, what have I got myself in for here? You know, the first chapter, a new practice for a new reality. That sounds like almost religious, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that was my first impression. That impression subsided a little bit. But not a whole lot. But anyway, let's move on to my next mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. The next thing that I started feeling very strongly was it reminded me a lot about, it reminded me of fad diets. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how everyone, you know how you had things like, I remember like, I think it was in the 80s, maybe there was the Pritikin diet. And I remember my mum got really into the Pritikin diet and put us all onto it. And like Nathan, I think his name was Nathan Pritikin, but that's just me going by memory. I didn't check. But, you know, there was the guru who'd come up with this diet and it was the answer to all your problems. And if you eat this and eat that and change everything, this will fix your life. And we had the Atkins plan more recently, didn't we? You know, this, here's this guy called I think it was Atkins a guy. I don't even know. I that. think I Atkins was a person. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I, I'm. I'm probably. I'm assuming it's a man. Actually, I don't know why. Any, <laughs> if, anyway, if we're, if we're going to put down money on cult leaders and their gender, I think the safe bet yeah. is usually so, a man leading yeah. a cult. <laughs> so we had the Atkins diet, and you've got your five-two diets going around, and this just seems like another one, even to the point where it's called, you know, the GTD. Mm-hmm. So again, again. This for someone like me, this results in the putting up of a lot of walls because I'm not someone who buys into this stuff very easily, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And you know, it remind you know, it reminded me a lot of you know when everyone was saying you have to read Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus. This is you know, this is the book that's going to change your life. And as soon as everyone says this is the book that's going to change your life, I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. all right. mm-hmm. I'm resistant to one man or woman coming down from Mount Sinai with the tablets telling me this is what's going to fix your life. And mm-hmm. this is what this feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just one person. This is just one person's opinion. And yeah, okay, he's come up with something that works maybe for him and a few other people. But anyway, that was my second impression. The book itself, and you touched on this already, very, very boring. The word I would use to describe it is coma-inducing corporate bollocks. These are some terms like I just very this took me 10 seconds to go through the book and find these terms. These are these are all from the book. Mm-hmm. Involve ourselves optimally. Integrated life management system. Implementing standard tools and procedures for capturing ideas and input. 
hierarchical outline with components and subcomponents. Purpose and principles furnish the impetus. Like, I, who talks like this? <laughs> this is not how... And, and actually, funnily enough, you talk like that sometimes, but, but I certainly don't. And, I, and it really, really turned me off. And I remember when I was listening to... It was worse when you're listening to it as an audiobook. And I know that's my fault. Yeah, I can imagine it's way worse as an audio. It's like, I, it's just like, I cannot listen. I cannot. My brain is turning into bubblegum. Stop. And I'm like, it's like, no matter how hard, I'm, I'm like straining to pay attention. I want to pay attention, but you're just talking about in such stupid, boring corporate terms. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, I mean, that's a product of who he is. You know, I get the impression he's some consultant who spends, who used to spend most of his time fleecing CEOs for huge amounts of money with this, uh, you know, this plan. And obviously, very successfully, because obviously it works for some people. But for me, it's like, stop, stop, make it stop. And in the end, I just had to just stop, <laughs> like I said. I mean, I felt like you could take all the sentences in this book and throw them up in the air and let them land randomly. <laughs> and the book would read exactly the same to me. I w- it would seem like the same book. That's, that's honestly what it was like. If I was going to make a TV show, like a sketch comedy about some corporate away day where some guy comes and talks to people it would look like this guy and all of these terms i would use in my script this this could be a script for my sketch comedy show it felt like at times it was just way way too boring i'm sorry now (laughs) i know it's important to be organized and lord knows i could be more organized but i just i just don't think i am the personality type who's going to be willing to take it from a book and from some other person's plan. And I don't think it is necessary to take it from a book or someone else's plan, you know. And I accept some people, maybe some people are bigger than me and they have the open-mindedness and and a, and a man or woman enough to say, you know what, someone else needs to do this for me. Someone else needs to find the way for me. But for me, it goes... It goes against everything that I'm about. And it also goes against why I feel like I became a self-employed person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I spent all my life in newspapers and television ha- do, having a wonderful job with more freedom than most people could possibly wish for. And still I felt dictated to by demands and deadlines and, and lists and all these artificially imposed structures. And I really value freedom and i felt and i know he says this is this is all about creating more freedom for you but that's just that's just a line i don't i don't want more constraints and lists and an idea and i don't want some corporate consultant to be the person who changes my life you know i have i only get one life and i and i want to do it my way i don't want to live david allen's life mm-hmm. i want to live my i want to live my life and um you know, that, that, that summarises my main thoughts about this book. I, I've also made some notes here, but maybe, maybe I'll save these. I have made some notes about why I think CGP Grey likes this book. Uh, and I don't know if you want to hear that or you want to talk. I am, I'm loving this. I love it when you're angry, Brady. This is great. This Do you know is, what? This is great. Do you know what? I'm not even the least bit angry. I like, I, I like, I, I find this quite cathartic. And do you know what? I know a lot of people are going to have read this book and really like it. And I think a lot of our listeners, particularly our more vocal listeners, are going to be the sort of people who do like this book. And I totally respect that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, let me talk to you. Oh, I'll tell you why I think you like it. Okay, yeah. I, 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 I want to hear this. Why do you think I like it? You actually, were, actually, can you, I just, uh, just very quickly, did you read the, or were you listening to the new version or the old version? I was listening, I believe, to the old version and I okay. was reading the new version. Okay, okay. Okay. Why does CGP Great like this book? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you'll like this word. Don't take it offensively because I don't mean it in the offensive way. But uh, and also I can't pronounce it. <laughs> but but I think it. But I think it. Much like I can't pronounce plurality. In case you haven't noticed, but although I think I may have got it right then by accident. No. I th- no. All right. I think you fetishize organizational systems and work methods. Hmm. I think you get really obsessed with them and you really really love them. Hmm. And I think no matter what you did, I mean, you happen to have a job now where you're very, you're very successful and there are a lot of demands on your time and you get a lot of emails. But I think no matter what you did, no matter what job you do, even if you worked in a toothpaste factory and your job was just putting the lids on the toothpaste as it came down the conveyor belt, you would be into this kind of thing and want to have systems and lists and ways to do it and optimize it because mm-hmm. it's just, it's just what you are. It's just who you are. And, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I, th- but I think kind of the journey and the organization is brings you as much pleasure and satisfaction at some level than the outcomes. And again, that's completely fine. Much like there are car enthusiasts who just like going for a drive because they like, they get pleasure from automobiles. And it doesn't matter where they're driving. They might just drive around the block or drive around the countryside and come home. They don't care where they went. They got pleasure from the car and from the ride. Mm-hmm. I think your brain derives pleasure from these kind of systems. And and there's nothing again, like I'm I'm the same. I'm the same, but with different things. Like mm-hmm. for example, I love watching a base game of baseball because it gives me pleasure. And I usually watch them days after the game. And I will avoid the scores and the outcome, although that's really what it's all about, because I want to watch the game. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with valuing the experience over the outcomes. Now, you you can tell me afterwards if you think I'm right or wrong. But first of all, let me give you three pieces of evidence that I am right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> Number one. Uh-huh. And we talked about it earlier. You've started a whole new podcast about all your systems and the way you work. <laughs> Even though we talk about your work all the time here, that's just not enough. <laughs> you you could talk about this forever. And I and I'm seriously beginning to think maybe you will. <laughs> That's piece of evidence number 1. The okay. second piece of the second piece of evidence is you always say how fascinated you are by people's work systems. You always you always say it to me. I'm really fascinated by how you work. I'm fascinated by how Destin works. I really want to know how how this person does that. Mm-hmm. You're much more fascinated by that than what they create. I can. I don't think I. You have ever in your life asked me what I'm working on. What's your next video about? I ask you all the time what your next video is about, and you won't tell me. But I ask you all the time. You've never asked me what my next video is about, but you do always ask me how I work, what I'm doing, what my systems are. Uh-huh. That's my. That's my second piece of evidence. You're uh-huh. much more. You're much more focused on systems than outcomes. And, and the last piece of evidence is your videos. Your videos show this aspect to your personality <laughs> so brilliantly because, 
Because you always say you're not interested in news, you're not interested in politics, you're really disengaged from the real world, <laughs> yet you're obsessed with voting and elections. <laughs> you, you wanted to talk about the UK election in depth. You didn't know who any of the parties were or, who, or any of the politics. You couldn't care less. All you wanted to talk about was the system used to put them in place. Look at your Pope video. Like, as far as I know, you're not particularly interested in Catholicism and you're not a big follower of happenings in the Catholic Church, but you made a fantastic video about the process used to put the Pope in place. All you care about is systems. You're not particularly interested in outcomes. And for that reason, this book, this book, Getting Things Done, is truly, in every sense of the word, grey porn. And it's not, it's not just grey porn. It's highly, highly explicit porn because, because every page after excruciating page <laughs> just goes into incredible detail about lists and workflows and ways to become more effective. Like, I feel dirty touching this book <laughs> because of how much pleasure I know it gives you. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is the end of me. I find your evidence for my interest in systems unconvincing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually, I'm actually mostly embarrassed that I think you are right that I have never once asked you what you're working on. That's fine. That just shows it's what you're interested in. And yeah, like, I, I just, I feel, I feel a slight shame as a person like we've discussed sometimes like i'm not very good at interpersonal relations but i realized like that's actually quite bad that we've known each other for a long time and never once have i been like hey what are you working on <laughs> so i'd like i'm laughing but i'm also feeling like horribly guilty and realizing like oh yeah that's right i am not a good friend sometimes <laughs> you are you are a good friend you don't have to ask someone what they're working on in their work to be a good friend and i was not and i would not never suggest otherwise so, so there we go. Now, this book, you obviously have read before a long time ago. Mm -hmm. and But you, because there's this new edition out at the moment where he's, he's updated it for a, a whole new generation of <laughs> mini greys to enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, did you, have you finished, have you finished your second, or I don't know how many times, how many times have you read it? I, I was trying to think that this is, I would say, uh, this is probably the first, fourth time i've read the book right over over uh I, I was trying to remember it must have been it must have been like 2005 or 2004 when i first came across it when i was first training as a teacher whenever mm -hmm. that was so let's just say about 10 years ago uh that's when i would have first found it and yeah i know i've read it a couple times since then how did you find out about it like how did it get onto your radar I don't remember specifically how I came across getting things done. And I wish I did. I wish I remembered how I found it. It's like your origin story, Gray. But basically, I was I was really like falling apart in my teacher training years because I just like I was not an organized person. And a thing that had always seemed like an advantage, which was as a kid, I kind of just like floated through high school without a lot of work and College was a bit of a wake-up call, but it wasn't, like, enough of a wake-up call. And, and so I, I sort of floated through that as well. And, and and then suddenly it was it was when I was doing my teacher training, it was like, wow, I'm not prepared for 
this and like all of the things that I need to keep track of. And uh, I, I just remember very well, there was this huge binder of like 500 things that you need to have pieces of evidence for in order to be qualified as a teacher. And and that was the kind of thing like, I was having a very hard time keeping track of all of that. And I know I was I was reading books on productivity like, oh, God, there must be something there must be something here that can help me. And I remember reading a bunch of books that I thought were just really awful. I can still remember what some of them were. Uh, I was just like, oh, this book is useless. This book is is terrible. Mm. And at, at some point I came across getting things done after I had read a bunch of books where I felt like all of them were just totally unhelpful. And this was the book that I did find helpful. And then what was know, different? What was different about it? So the reason I the reason I asked before about the if you read the old version or you read the new version is that the old version is definitely dated but I actually I think it's actually better than the new version. Hmm. The new the new version has been updated in a way that I I find it is much less actionable. And and I have to say, the one thing, like, you are totally right that I am, I am a systems person. I am very fascinated by systems and your piece of evidence were, were dead on. But you are you are wrong about the, the pleasure that I derive from this book. I have always found this book kind of boring. It's actually not the case that I'm like, oh boy, all of these pages are great. And <laughs> right. when, I, when, I was, when I was reading the newer version, I actually, because I, I have, the old one is on my Kindle and it was highlighted up for a review that I was going to write. I went back and forth a few times to, to look at how some of the passages had changed. I was like, oh God, like it got boringed up here. Like they took out some <laughs> of the specificity and added more of this kind of jargon. Yeah. David Allen has a lot of, of business jargon. Yeah. If you don't read books that are business books, this kind of thing can be death. I tend to read like uh, a disproportionate number of books that could broadly be classified as business and they all have a kind of word poison in them that you have to you have to shuffle through. Like yeah. even uh, even a book that I read recently which was probably one of the best versions of this that you, there can be which is uh, Creativity Inc by the guy who runs Pixar, which is very interesting, uh, an entire book about the system of how Pixar produces movies. But it still, it suffers from the same kind of like dude at the top who is a manager and and talks about horizons and vision stuff. And it's like, oh, God. Oh, that's disappointing, Greg, because I actually really wanted to read that book. You will enjoy Creativity Inc. a million times more than you, than you enjoy okay. getting things done. But okay. it, it still has a little bit of that, like, this is a book written by... A business dude. This one little thing. I'm actually just looking at the notes here. Like, there's some stuff that I always find hilarious in getting things done. And here, I have the highlight here. Let me go to this little page. This was in the first uh, edition. But it shows, like, David Allen is living in a different world. So there's this section which has a, it is a, quote, typical list of things you might want to do someday. And on that typical list are get a sailboat, take a watercolor class, take a (laughs) balloon ride. Build a wine cellar, spend a month in Tuscany, publish your memoir. It's like, (laughs) well, that's interesting. That's an interesting collection of things. And earlier, he uses an example of the kind of problem that you might have to solve where you have inherited $6 million from a relative and you need to figure out how to disperse this money. It's like, oh, yes, we all face these problems, David Allen. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of examples of here where it's like you can feel the world that this person is coming from just hanging out with CEOs and chairman and yeah. yeah and and the first book suffered from that and and the this the new edition I think 
is worse. And is that its beauty, though? Is is that is that subconsciously how it's appealing to even someone like you? Because it's like, oh, you know, he's so successful and hangs out with successful people. If I do what he says, I'll I'll be like that too. Now, this is a, this is a certain kind of thing in in these books that I I find really tedious. I, I find self descriptions of of like hanging out with other CEOs. Like I just, I can't stand that. I can't stand that kind of stuff, especially in a book that is ostensibly about a, a particular skill that you're supposed to gain or a particular thing that you're supposed to learn. Like I'm not really interested in, in you. And, and like the, the, the current edition at the end has this little chapter about like David Allen's journey through the many years of doing, getting things done. It's like, oh man, I couldn't have skimmed that chapter any faster if I tried. It was just like flip, flip, flip. Mm. Like I just have, I have no interest in that. Uh, <laughs> So that's why like, I, 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 when I was re- reading this for the homework, there were many times where I kept thinking like, oh God, poor Brady, right? It's like. Do you know I, what I, just... I was, don't worry, Greg, do you know what I was doing? <laughs> I was listening to Public Service Broadcasting's brilliant new album, All About the Space Race. And that's what people <laughs> should be doing, listening to that. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, but I know, I know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But don't, but so... don't feel bad. I'd stopped. Okay, yeah, that's but that's I'm actually quite relieved in some ways. It's like, oh god, he didn't push himself all the way through it because you might never have forgiven me. I feel bad because we said it as homework. Okay, now, now here's here here is the thing that I like. I will be very curious. I'll be very curious to see people's reaction to the book in the Reddit this time. And for for people, when you're leaving comments, there's something that I want to know, which is. In addition to just how how did you like or dislike the book, uh, you know, or do you think it's going to be useful or not? I also want to know your station in life now. Like, are you a student? Are you an adult? Right? Are are you working? Are you not working? Uh, are you a business owner? Right? Uh, you know, like what like what what is the your position in life? Because I think that that can be. Uh, that can have a, like, I'm curious to see if there's a, any kind of relation between certain kinds of people who find this useful and certain kinds of people who don't. Mm. I would really like to know more than just what people think about it. It's the thing you still haven't told me, though, and I know this is a huge question about a book that's so influential for you, uh-huh. is, is because you're talking quite negatively about it as well. Why is this a good book? What is okay. the value of this book? Yeah, so I was making notes on on. The stuff that to me is the kind of core of this book and the stuff that really caught my mind at the right time in my life. And I even made a note for anybody who wants to like skim through. Chapter five is like the real starting point of this book, which I'm sure you never even you never even made it that far. It's just like, you know, a battlefield of, of soldiers, not 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 getting to the fifth mile because they've all just died on their way. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm lying dead on the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right about mile marker 0.5. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that I'm about to say is going to sound just blindingly, stupidly obvious. If I had to condense the book down to the one thing that really stuck with me and that really ended up changing my life, he hammers on the notion of your brain is not for remembering things, Hmm. that this is not the job of your brain. Yeah. You need to, you need to take everything out of your mind and put it into some kind of external system that your brain is for doing intellectual work or making decisions 
but it is not a storage system. Mm. And that is really where things started to change for me. And I, I was, it's, just, it's funny, like reading through this and kind of remembering where I was at this point in my life. I will give you an example of how just incredibly stupid I was when I, you know, when I was younger. And like, okay, so I, I had all these things to keep track of. And, and some somehow I'm thinking like, oh, maybe I can just remember the 500 things that I'm supposed to do to train as a teacher. Of course, that's not even remotely possible. But I, I was reading through this and I had a memory of like, oh, God, I, oh, I, this, this incredibly dumb idea I had of I was trying to come up with a system that would allow me to memorize all of the various calendar appointments that I had. Now, we, we have discussed before that I'm, I, I have sometimes used these kind of memory systems to remember things. Yeah. Uh, like these, these kind of these tricks that you can do to make it much easier to remember a large volume of stuff. And it's like, it seems impressive when you see memory experts do stuff, but like there's a, there's a mechanism behind this. There's a system behind this. Like sort of like some people you hear about using these memory palaces or things yeah. like that. Or The memory palace is the one that you always hear about because it's, it's nice to visually describe. I never did mm -hmm. that. I use some other systems, but it's the same idea that there's like mm -hmm. a, there's like a mechanism for this. Yeah. And when I was, when I was training as a teacher, I was looking into, into those kind of mechanisms for date-based information. And I had this notion that I was going to somehow memorize this complicated calendar that I had of days that I'm at the university, days when I'm at the training school, when are the meetings with my advisors, when are my meetings uh, with the local advisors at the school, when do I need to be here, when do I need to be there. And it's it's shocking that I could ever be that stupid to think that's a reasonable solution as opposed to something like a calendar. Like, why yeah. don't you write things down on a calendar, you moron? But but it somehow I thought like, oh, I'm I'm like a smart guy, right? I should be able to remember where I'm supposed to be at all the time at all times. It's like, no, don't do that. That's an incredibly stupid thing to do. It's highly error prone and it's not going to help you at all. Mm. And so the very notion of like, write your stuff down on a calendar, idiot. Like this was life changing to me. Uh and and the the one little item that I also uh, started with was I kept a, a small paper notebook in my back pocket and always had a pen with me. And I really, really got into the habit of whenever I had any thought about anything, like a fleeting thought, just write it down. Don't even judge what it is. Don't think if the thought makes any sense, just like, just quickly just write it down in this little notebook. And then once a week, go through the notebook and decide if anything needs to be done about that stuff. And I often talk about like loops, like reviewing your life in loops. I think that was like the er loop for me, the beginning point of having a little notebook, writing things down, and then going back and regularly looking at that notebook. I, I can see, Gray, the benefit of that, can mm -hmm. I say? like, Because I'm, I'm a guy who has lots of ideas all the time. Oh, I could make a video about this or I should do that. And most of the time they just fall out of my head and they're mm -hmm. forgotten forever. So obviously I see the value of what you're saying. But I do feel like if I did that, I would have a lot less ideas and I would also have just a lot less fun life because I'd just always be writing stuff down and pulling out my notebook and it would just, that would consume me. And I'm just not, that's the, that's my problem with what a lot of the stuff this seems to be hinting at. I feel like all these systems just become consuming. And I sometimes worry, well, I don't worry about you, but I sometimes think that about you. I sometimes think, do these systems consume him? Like, I know they, I know they result in nothing being lost. 
and you know you're like a really reliable hard drive but i sometimes wonder whether or not you're just like having fun the experience that i had when you say like oh i'll just be constantly writing stuff down the the thing that I found really interesting and and where I feel like, oh, I became a different person mm. is that in the beginning, yes, I found myself just writing stuff down all the time. Yeah. But I swear, like what happens is your brain gets reprogrammed in such a way that what you realize you're doing is you're actually like thinking about the same things over and over again from different angles because your brain is so used to trying to remember it. And what, what I feel like now is that my brain is much calmer than it was when I was younger. And so I don't actually feel like, oh, things are constantly popping into my head. Because like I, I have this whole system that my brain has learned to trust. That like, oh, if, if you do have a thought, you can write it down and you know that it will be reviewed at a later point in time. And you don't have to like hold on. Mm. And that's what I, I feel like very relaxed in a, in a way that I didn't before. And it's something that I actually notice is when I'm, I'm not doing well with the system. Cause like with everything in life, it goes, it goes through cycles. Like sometimes you're really on top of stuff and sometimes you're not. But a key thing that I notice is like repeatedly thinking about something. Like I can tell something is on my mind and that's usually a sign of like, Ooh, are you really keeping track of this stuff? Or are you trying again to just remember what you're supposed to do? That's important. Uh, and and I find that that's a that's a bad sign for me. And it's it's actually like I was very interested to do this homework now because I've been aware that I haven't been as on top of my system lately as I would like. And I've had things like on my mind kind of burning up some mental cycles in a way that is not helpful. And it's like, oh, yes, right. Pay attention to this this behavior, like get back into the habit of of writing all the things down. So it's like you feel really busy at the start writing everything down, but that's like a temporary phase, or at least that was the experience that I had. You know, now I keep my phone on me all the time and and I have it set up so that I can very quickly write things down, but I don't pull it out like, you know, a, a, a hundred times an hour of like, oh, I thought this thing, oh, I put the phone down, yeah. oh, got to pick it right back up, right? That's yeah. that's not the case. That's you not do the a case bit of, at all Do you do, do a bit of self-editing, presumably? Like you do, do you do a bit of editing about, well, that's not even worth writing down? Uh, no, not really. Yeah, it, I, I, I don't have that uh, that kind of thing happen. Right. I just, uh, it doesn't. I almost don't know how to. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm lacking words for an internal process here. What qualifies as something worth writing down? Like if you're walking along the park and you think, "Oh, birds are pretty," you don't then pick <laughs> up your phone and write, "Birds are pretty" in your phone. Like what yeah. counts as a thing to write down? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. But but at the same time, something like birds are pretty is not the kind of thought that is internalized in words in my brain. Right. You're just like, you're looking and you are, it's like, oh, your eyes and your brain are seeing birds and you're hearing a song, this kind of, this kind of thing. What's something but, you write down that I don't write down? Um, I mean, the, the obvious one is, is thoughts about future videos. Right. And uh, very often what I, what I find... When I go on when I go on walks or I'm just walking around is is some little sentence scrap will pop into my head of of like a clever way to phrase something. 
Right. And I'll write that down, and and very often I'll realize later, like, oh, that that actually fits very well with this other project that I might mm. work on someday, and so I like find a little, it away. like a little pithy one liner or a nice little yeah, play on th- words. Or, yeah. That's that's exactly right. You know, some sometimes you come on a play on words or just a like a sentence that has a nice rhythm to it. Mm. And I'll, I'll write that down, and so I'll I'll file it away in my system because I'll realize later, like, oh, it's it's connected to this other thing. Sometimes it's not, but most of the time, there's obviously some project of mine that this is connected to. So that that's the kind of thing that I'll I'll write down. I just feel a bit like, and I'm not saying that I'm like a super creative guy, you know, full of the most ideas in the world. But I feel like if I collected every single thought I had like that, like it would be like an avalanche and I, I just wouldn't know where to do with it, what to do with it all. It would just be, cause I think I have like a hundred of those thoughts every hour. And I would still say that if you start writing that stuff down, you have less of those thoughts than you think. Okay. And I can't, I can't remember where I read it, but it's, I think it was like Bill Watterson, the, the, um, the guy who did Calvin and Hobbes, hmm. but, but talking about like n- nothing, nothing makes you realize how how boring most of your ideas are than when your livelihood depends on generating good ideas. <laughs> I feel like like writing those ideas down makes you really face that. Right. And when I go through uh, like I mean now they're digital notebooks, but when I go through the things that I've written down, I mean half of it is just immediately deleted like oh this is just obviously nothing or this doesn't go anywhere. Or, this is just some some dumb thought or I'm never going to do anything with this this is just a stupid project idea how do you know when that point comes gray how do you know when to delete something how do you know when something is no longer a value if you're valuing everything and writing it all down how do you then devalue it so this is the getting things done system now that we're talking about okay the point is to have something on you all the time to capture your thoughts so Mm. now that's my phone and it used to be a notebook and then the other phase is deciding on a time when you're going to sit down and you're going to go through those things. And that is like you're separating the process of filtering your thoughts from simply recording your thoughts. So it's that point when you sit down and, you know, so like once a week I'll sit down, okay, let me just go through all of these little notes that I've written. And then is the point that I'm making some kind of judgment about, does this need to be filed somewhere or is this just nonsense and I'm just going to delete it? I mean, one of the things, one of the things I would say gets deleted the most is I come up with just ideas for apps that I would want on my phone. Mm. And I'm not an app developer. I have no skills in this area. This is probably a thing that is never going to work out. But I'll still write them down. And then very often when it's, you know, three days later and I'm doing my weekly review and I'm going through all my notes, I realize, you know what? That's a terrible idea. That's an absolutely terrible idea for an app that I've written down. And I feel free to just delete it. You know, it's just then it's just gone. So that's that's kind of the way this works. Okay. I mean, that kind of goes against something that I sometimes think. And it's actually some advice I often give to people about sort of Mm -hmm. what I do in sort of video journalism. Mm -hmm. And that is, and it was some really good advice I was given at the start. It's really stuck with me. Is when you go somewhere to like make a film or do an interview or whatever you're going to make a film about, Mm -hmm. don't, don't get your camera out straight away. Don't start filming everything. Take your time, get the lay of the land, meet the people, think about the film, you know, build relationships, know what's what, and then start filming, get what you need, be efficient, and then leave. Mm -hmm. Don't walk in, pull your camera out, going, oh, look at this shiny thing, I'm going to film that, look at that, I'll ask you a question, I'll ask you a question, oh, I would have, and like... That's what young, inexperienced people do. They film everything, mm. they panic, and then they get back to the office and they've got like 18 hours of footage right, and they don't, right. they don't know what to do. Whereas I can come back and I've just got 
15, 20 minutes, exactly what I need, and I can efficiently turn it into a film. And what you're sort of advocating here is almost the exact opposite of that. It's like, it's like, it's like get out your butterfly net, catch absolutely every butterfly that flies by, and then spend hours and hours and hours back at the office thinking, no, I probably shouldn't have got that butterfly. What a waste of time that was. Oh, no, I've got nine of those butterflies, and I've already had 100 of them before. Mm. It's kind of a bit like, shouldn't you have like some sort of editing or filtering system where the capturing's happening? The thing that's different with your situation, and I can see that that is totally good advice, that the the way to to put video together for a news broadcast like that. Mm. But that's different because you are already talking about, you're at the stage where like a project needs to get done. Mm. And yes, overshooting footage is unhelpful. And like you're already discussing a, like a, a project that has a system that has been tested by people. Like the, the phase that I'm talking about here is, is stuff that is much, much earlier than that. Just, you know, things that might turn into projects someday, but you don't know necessarily where they're going. Mm. Right. So th- this is this is like way earlier. Like you, know, you decide you're going to do a video series on uh, going to the middle of England, for example, which is something mm. you did before. Right. Mm. I- I'm discussing the point at which you're walking down the street and for some reason you start thinking about, oh, the middle of things like where is the middle of Scotland? Where is the middle of Wales? And then you just write down your notebook, like the middle of things, like question mark that like, that's a little thought that you have. And then a week later you look at it. And if it still has some kind of pull on your mind, you think, oh, maybe this is something like, uh, there's something here. Uh, but very often you look at thoughts and there's nothing there. I mean, I'm, I just, I pulled up my list of notes right now just to see, like, I'm curious how many have I written down? Mm. And it's probably been, yeah, it's probably been uh, just over a week since I've gone through the notes and I think I have uh, can't be much more than thirty things written down over right. the course of a week. It's not a, this is what I mean. Like it, it's the pace slows over time. But when I first started it, you know, in the in the, in the first couple months, it felt like I was just constantly writing stuff down. But that's not the case anymore. Okay. What have been your other thoughts reading through at this most recent time? Then is it is it still? Is it still special to you? Do you still do you? Does it still make you feel? You know, I mean, you spoke in such glowing terms about it when you talked about it changing your life. Do you, do you still look at it with that fond? I know I made. I know I was quite negative about it, but do you no, still no. do you still do you still have that fondness for it, or do you look at it like 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 an an ex partner and think, oh, I can't believe I was so infatuated with that back in the day? No, I don't feel that way. I, I would still very strongly recommend this to people who are trying to figure things out. Like how, how do I get organized? Hmm. I, I would definitely still recommend that because going through this, like I, I did make a bunch of notes on the things that I thought like, yes, these are, these are the core points. Like if you can do these things, it's extremely helpful. And there is, uh, I think it's, I think it's either chapter five or chapter six, but there is one point where a lot of the business language starts to drop. And I was like, Oh, I remember this section where he kind of like walks you through what he would do if he was being hired to help you organize your life. And he talks about, okay, you need, you know, set aside two days. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to collect all of your things together. And then he talks about how, how, like how we're going to go through all of these things and how are we going to start like building a person's system up from nothing into something that is at least somewhat functional. Mm. 
And I, I still think that there is a lot of, of value in that, without a doubt. I have tried to put on my website, I've done two now of these things I'm calling like book notes, which are me reading a book and then trying to pull out the parts that I think are useful. Hmm. And I did that with Creativity Inc. And I did that with um, Bird by Bird, which is a book on writing. Yeah. And w- one of the reasons why I wanted to do that is I am just very aware that I read a lot of books that have what I would say are are big parts of them that are are frustrating or that are not good. But it's like I don't really care in some ways about the parts of the book that aren't good. Like, I don't want to write a review saying, oh, this part was good and that part wasn't good. I, I care about, like, what can be gained from a thing. Just basically all the spoilers. <laughs> kind of like the spoilers. Yeah. And and getting things done to me has a, a really core section that is very valuable. But but you do have to get through a whole bunch of, of other stuff to get there and and the language is definitely one of them the business speak is is it can kill a man i was laughing before because yeah david allen is like this very interesting combination of kind of like a business person but also a hippie like he constantly talks about your psyche and these other like california buzzwords oh yeah and there was all that calm water or whatever it's your mind yeah mind like water and it's 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 like oh god you're you're grading me the wrong way on two axes here buddy yeah (laughs) it's like it's quite impressive actually add cult leader to that as well then you've got the you've got the holy trinity of things to turn me off Yes, yes, that's exactly right. But um, oh, the, the the cult thing that I was gonna—I uh, made a note because I want—I wanted to just come back on that, which was, yeah. I also happened to come across getting things done at, at around the time it was kind of becoming popular on the early internet, mm. and there are a lot of great materials that people have written about implementing getting things done in their own lives. Yeah. And those things, I, I remember reading just a ton of those to try to see like, oh, how are people making this system work? Hmm. And that stuff is very useful. And it was kind of embarrassing. I don't know if I if I actually want to mention this, but I still have on my YouTube channel that very, very old video, which is uh, like time management for teachers, which is one of the very first things I ever did. Yeah. And I rewatched that in um, in preparation for the podcast. And again, it was like, oh, these these horrifying flashbacks of of this whole this whole life but that is a case where you can see like what i'm doing there in some ways is explaining here like here's how i organize packets of paper for classes here's how i'm arranging these lists and and what it is it's like it's an adapted getting things done system for for being a teacher and that's what and like man did that get me through my teaching career Mm. like i remember that clipboard and the checklist that i had every day and the couple of sheets and all of that came out of getting things done. And I'm, I would never have gotten through teaching without it. I would never, I would never have gotten through teaching without it. But so, yeah, I, I, I recommend the book, but I, I by no means think that it is some kind of incredibly gripping, flawless piece of work. You would never have gotten through teaching without it, you say? Yeah. Is it impossible that you just would have figured this out like a lot of people do? Like, did, did, you, did you need... Like, because you you use the term yourself, like a lot of the stuff in there is blindingly obvious. And like, so, and, you know, it could be argued he presented it in the right way at the right time, perhaps. Mm. But 
but would you not have just figured some of this stuff out? Like I remember when when I first started all the YouTube stuff, because at, at the BBC, my life was pretty basic and I knew what I'd go to work and then I'd pretty much find out what I was doing that day and then I'd come home and then I'd go to work again. And I didn't keep a diary. And then when I started all the YouTube stuff and I was meeting with Professor X at this time and I was meeting with Scientist B at this time, at first I was just remembering, oh, that's on Wednesday night and that's going to be on Friday. And then eventually it was like, oh, I need a calendar. Like <laughs> I, I didn't need a I didn't need a book to tell me to get a calendar. It was just like, I need a calendar. This is I just can't remember this much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like like what I guess what I'm asking is tell me the secret. What's like save me all the trouble of reading it and tell me what the thing is in this book that I don't already know. Or is it I, I know I know it's a bit more to it than that. And, no, 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 no. It, it, the the thing is like you can you can write on an index card the core features of this system. Like it, it ultimately it is very simple. Can you tell me that index card? Yeah, I guess if, if I had to summarize it in a few bullet points, uh, yeah. one would be the first thing that I said before, which is write everything down. Don't keep it in your head. Yeah. The next thing is that you want to have a list of projects. And the idea is it is every single project that you might possibly be working on right now. Yeah. And the key piece of that, again, comes from the first point of like everything there's a huge advantage when you can look at a list that encompasses everything in your life that you're trying to accomplish, as opposed to a list that's like 85% complete. Right. And I can, I can speak from experience that it is, it is a different experience to have a complete project list versus an almost complete project list. What's an example of something that would be on Gray's complete project list that wouldn't be on an incomplete normal person list? Uh, like what, I- what would I forget to put on? Well, the thing is, the, the the complete project list usually has a lot of just like little stuff that you wouldn't normally think of. It's again, it's the kind of things that you would try to keep in in your mind, like like buying a buying birthday presents or uh... yeah, like like okay, so yeah, I'm I'm just pulling up my own OmniFocus here to just take a look at what's in here, so if I can give you some examples of like small things that I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I have a couple of things that are like related to uh, doctor's visits on here. Right. That are that are things that I know past me would have just had in my brain, and then just like, oh, you know, I gotta see the doctor, like yeah. that kind of thing. But now it's it's written down like it's part of this little system here. There's a few things that I want to set up in the house, which again are are very very minor things that need to get done, but they're still written down. They're still here. Yeah, the, it's it, like the thing is, it's not about the big projects. It's really about having the little projects as well. But you yeah. wouldn't call this a to-do list. No, the the project list is like is a different thing from a to-do list, and that yeah. and that's that's what kind of makes it special. And it's funny because I kept I kept looking for something in the Getting Things Done book that I think oh I thought this was in here, but I think actually I, either I pulled this from somewhere else or it's something I stumbled upon on my own. But I always write the projects as a past tense sentence, as in like this is the thing that needs to be done. So it's like doctor visit scheduled is the way I write down the, the projects right. or um, YouTube video on topic X online. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I've got a problem here. Like wife's computer fixed. Like that's the way I will write those things down. Right. The, the next bullet point on this little index card is that you have a separate list that is the actions that need to be taken 
to move those projects to completion. So every project has its own sublist breaking out of it. Yes, every project then, like you, you go through your projects, and you very consciously say, okay, what are what are the physical actions that are then required to move this project towards completion? This is the point where it feels like the amount of work to run the system is becoming greater than the amount of work I'm willing to do. What, what we've just talked about, the, these three ideas, don't keep anything in your head. Have a project list that is separate from the the actions that need to be done. Like that that's basically the getting things done system there. There's yeah. more to it, but that's like the core. Yeah. The way I would try to describe it is that it is what you're trying to do is like separate times when you are thinking about, okay, what are all the things that I need to get done? Okay, how can I move this project forward to completion? Blah, blah, blah. So what you have then is is when you're actually working a set of actions that you can just as close as possible, just grind through and just do like, I already know what I need to do to move these projects forward. Like this is what I do every week. I sit down and I write down the next steps required to complete these projects. And now my job is to just go through this list of things. And, and the, the key thing here is like the actions have to have a verb in there. There needs like, if you haven't written it down with a verb, like you haven't really thought through what you need to do to, to get this thing completed. How many projects are on your current project list? Uh, I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, where is it in OmniFocus? It's somewhere in here. I'm actually curious to look at this number, so I'll just take a second. Mm-hmm. Currently, I have 200 projects in my system. Okay. Now, I know this is. I know some of them are big and some of them are small, so I'm yep. just going to ask you to guess here. On average, how many actions does each project have in its sublist? Uh Normal. Let me go through my normal little little projects here. There's one action associated with that. Two actions. Three. One. Four. One. Three. Yeah. So m- most of my little projects have like one to five things associated with them. Right. But something. But, but something like uploading your next video will have like twenty things in its checklist. And yeah, I mean, I can, I can pull yeah. it up. I can pull it up right now. My. But I mean, th- then this starts to get to stuff that I feel like this is this is like professional work stuff. Like it's just not not a normal person's list anymore. So, yeah. so my, my checklist for a video from idea to finished product is 71 items long. Right. And an enormous number of those are just tiny little things. Like the stuff I don't I don't mind mentioning is um, create the thumbnail for the video. After the video has been uploaded, make sure that the video looks okay on YouTube because every once in a while I run into a problem where the, the video and the audio fall out of sync for some unknown reason. Yeah. When I upload the video, I want to turn off unskippable ads for the first 24 hours. Then I have to compose the email list that's going to go out. Like, like there's all of these just little items and it's, it's actually quite easy to come up with 71 tiny steps that need to happen. Of course, I can imagine. So you've got this, you've got this project list with say mm-hmm. 200 things on it yeah. and then, and sort of hidden under the, under the hood, uh, all these sub lists. Mm-hmm. What, what, how often do you look at the project list? Like what's the daily or weekly thing? Like when you wake up in the morning, how do you know what you're doing? This is the kind of key to the whole system is like, you should not be looking at all of this all the time. Hmm. You will you will just be a crazy person if you're like, let me look at my 200 things. Yeah. Uh, like a, a key point of the system is to only be able to see the things that you can actually do right now. And 
to back this up, I will say the reason why getting things done made such a huge difference to me. And, and this is one of the things that I like. Now this doesn't work for me as well. And I have frustrations with it. But so if you imagine you have a list of all your projects that you need to get done. The idea is that you then have these these where you put those actions for like moving those projects forward. They should be lists that are limited to a particular place. Like, OK. And or, so let me just describe the situation. Hmm. What changed my life? was, okay, I'm going to write down all of my projects and I'm, yeah. I'm in teacher training right now. And instead of just having one big to-do list that I'm constantly looking at and feeling anxious about all the stuff that needs to get done, instead, I'm, I'm only going to look at when I am at university, I will have a separate piece of paper, which it used to be, that just has the actions that I can perform at university. Right? Then I have a separate list which just has the actions I can perform when I go to my training school. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then I have a separate list, which is all of the items that I need for when I'm talking to my advisor. And I wouldn't have very many pieces of, of paper like that. It was maybe four or five lists for the four or five places that I was. Yeah. That was life changing for me. Like that, that is what made the difference. I can see that helps you in that situation. I cannot see how that helps you now or would help me now because the list of things I can do when I'm sitting at my computer in the morning with a blank canvas is seemingly infinite. Like, yeah. what, what's, what does your list look like for I'm sitting at my desk in my office today? It must be well, massive. This is why I, I have this, this big list of notes and, I, and this, <laughs> this review that I keep, I keep referencing of, of getting things done that I've, I've been trying to write and trying to publish for a while. Because this is this has been my core frustration with the last several years of my life, in particular since I've 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 gone to YouTube, is that I can do almost anything in my life from almost anywhere. Mm. That I I have basically no physical constraints. And I'm really aware that with my new bigger phone, the very few things that I felt like, oh well, I can't do it if I just have my phone, it's like, well, guess what? Now the number of things that I can't do on my phone is like three. I can't yeah. record a podcast, I can't animate a video, and I can't do my taxes, right? <laughs> I need a specific piece of software for my computer, right? Yeah. So it's like everything else in my life I can do. And that is where like, I have found that over the years, the getting things done system has been working less and less well for me. And that's partly what I've, I've talked about before on this podcast of this, this feeling of I used to live in a world where I had like a very large number of very small things that needed to be done. And now I don't live in that world anymore. Like I, I, everywhere I am, I can potentially do all of the things that I need to do. And so I've been, I've been kind of cobbling together and trying to do my own system with that. But like getting things done was the perfect system for the perfect time in my life. But if you, if you read the original book, like it is so clearly a book that is written before anybody is carrying internet connected cell phones with them all the time. Yeah. He talk, he talks like about these, you know, your PDAs, like they're these amazing things, but yeah. basically more, you're more often dealing with bits of paper in a basket on your desk. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one thing where it's like, like reading the new edition, I was keenly looking out for stuff that had been updated for the modern digital world. And my opinion is that he, he blows past this fundamental problem and kind of 
pretends as though you have many, very many more of these these places that you are limited by than is the truth. Like yeah. in in in, G, in GTD slang, this is called a context. Like, what is the context you are working in? And it's like my whole life is one context called. Yeah. I have a super phone in my pocket, right? I can always do everything. Um, How are you getting around this problem? Because this seems like a big deal. It, it, this has been like the central problem of my system for two years now. Yeah. And I, the, this is kind of why, like, I know you make you make fun of me for, for changing stuff, but this is one of the reasons why I'm kind of always experimenting with stuff is I feel like, oh, I used to have the system that worked well and I kind of lost it. Because the nature of my job and my work has just changed so much. If I was still a teacher, the getting things done thing system would work great. Because that's still a world of like limits and offices and paper and like everything would be fine. Um, but that's that's not where I am now. And and you can't do it. I mean, I'm not suggesting you throw your iPhone in the lake. But could you could you not do it artificially? Could you like could you because it kept you so much saner and happier? Could you not? create these contexts artificially and just have like golden rules. Like whenever I am, you know, in my desk, I'm in context day where I'm where making videos and sending emails is an option. And whenever I'm at Starbucks, uh, that's when I'm allowed to do B and C. And whenever yeah. I'm, you know, you could just create these things fakely. Yeah. That, that, that is precisely the kind of stuff that I try to do. Mm. But, but of course it's like the, the Having a, a genuine hard boundary that is something that you cannot break versus a soft boundary that you're trying to create for yourself, it doesn't work very well. And there, there's well, a lot then, of... Then you are going to have to throw your phone in the lake. There, there are some tricks that I definitely do to try and influence, um, like to try and set for myself hard limits. But there's a lot of really interesting cognitive science that talks about the the limits and the drain on mental capacity when you're when you're doing that kind of thing. Right. It's it's the old like, yeah, in theory, you can diet in your house with ice cream everywhere and just not eat it. But you can actually see that like this, even if someone is successfully able to do that, to go on a diet and not eat the ice cream that's in the refrigerator, you can measure how their cognitive performance is limited in all kinds of other ways. Right. Because some part of their brain is reserved to the don't eat the ice cream part <laughs> like e even if you think like oh look at me I'm, I'm like i'm so great i don't have to eat the ice cream it's like yeah but if we start having you do tests of mental math like you do worse than someone in the exact same position who just doesn't have ice cream in the house gray stop saying ice cream you're making me hungry that's what uh, there's a reason i'm bringing it up as, as an example so th yeah. there are lots of things that i try to do but like this this has been the fundamental problem for me and i've i've found ways that are are helpful, but I feel like I haven't had a really rock solid system in a, in really since I became self employed. Sounds like the time is ripe for a new book. You should swoop in and be the next David Allen. <laughs> yeah, if I can if I can figure it out, I'll uh, I'll do. That. Oh yeah, that's right. You've actually got to figure it out first, don't you? That's <laughs> yeah. that's the problem. But once I figure it out, then I can start my own cult. <laughs>